Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. A very warm welcome, everybody, to RS1. This is part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels, of course. My name is Johnny Palmer, and I'm delighted to say that we are finally at the end of the World Endurance Championship season for 2019-2020. It never was meant to be quite this long, of course. Started way back on the 1st of September last year, and since then, there have been trips to Japan, to China, to Bahrain, more of that in a second, to the Circuit of the Americas in Texas to Spa-Francorchamps and then two months ago to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It is the second visit to the Sakia Circuit to finish the season then uh, as we go back to a more traditional summer campaign from season 2021. Qualifying today, we've already had three sessions of free practice and uh, the whole of qualifying is live and just minutes away right here on RS1. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. And then the mere uh, case of an eight-hour race tomorrow, at which point I will be joined by Nick Damon, and there will be live and uninterrupted coverage of uh, that event, which starts at 2 p.m. local time, uh, all the way through till 10 o'clock, so well into darkness, because pretty much 60 minutes ago was official sunset time at the Sakia circuit. So we're already properly in darkness now as well at nine minutes to six local time. Two qualifying sessions build as usual uh, and during which each car out there has to cycle through two separate drivers uh, because you need two drivers to qualify uh, as per the regulations. Whether that will change in the future is a bit of a question mark because I know uh, Hyperpole was, uh, did, certainly went, went down well with the FIA and with the ACO during the 24 hours of Le Mans weekend. And there are questions as to whether maybe Hyperpole can be somehow weaved into a regular WEC weekend uh, going forward because it's fair to say, although I really am a fan of the fact that you've got to use two drivers uh, as part of your qualifying um, uh, record uh, it's a little tricky to follow if you are a fan and I appreciate that it's also quite difficult difficult to explain from a commentary point of view as well but it, uh, if you're in LMP2 you have to use your non-pro driver and likewise in GTE AM so the two uh, semi-professional classes of which there are two from four uh, each of those have to use the, the, the non-pro driver. LMP1, LMP2, GTE Pro and GTE Am are the usual classes. Sadly, LMP1 rather sm- slim on the ground this weekend. There's no, there are no rebellions. Uh, the Ginettas we waved goodbye to a couple of rounds ago and the CLM, which turned out at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, also not present. But we do have two Toyota Gazoo Racing TSO50 hybrids. For Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez in the, 
arguably slightly faster of the two Toyotas because it's the number eight car that has a seven uh, point championship lead coming to the final round of the season and because of that because of success handicap which has been a system employed since the start of this I can't say calendar year but the start of the the, the season which stretches over um, what 14 months or so now uh, that's been the case actually since the second round because success handicap couldn't be implemented uh, for the first round of the season but since then based on points uh, you're pegged back effectively if you are leading the championship or indeed if you're in second in the championship as well all done on uh, a a set amount of um, uh, set amount of seconds per points all tracked back to the team which is 40 points below uh, the championship leaders and if there isn't a team there then you kind of create a virtual car in that place in the championship it's a very long-winded way of saying that the number seven toyota should be 0.154 of a second quicker per lap than the number eight however looking at uh, free practice times particularly from earlier on today free practice three uh, it was actually the the car with the bigger handicap which was fastest so makes a bit of a mockery of uh, perhaps the system in place this weekend. Point one of a second gave the advantage to Brendan Hartley, who set his time very early on. Mike Conway wasn't able to join the session until five minutes into it because of a breach of regulations, I think around a yellow flag, which uh, gave them a five-minute penalty for free practice three, and the infringement came uh, free practice two, I want to say. Um, remember that there are adjusted points for this round. So rather than the regular four or six hour races that we had earlier on in the season where the winner scores 25 points, this is an eight hour race and therefore the points are ramped up to 38 for a win, 27 points for second, 23 for third and it goes all the way down to 10th place for which you get two points. If you're outside the top 10, you get a point and there's also a point, of course, for pole position which will be determined over these next couple of sessions. We had even more points on offer for the 24 hours of Le Mans, as high as 50 last time. So this sort of splits those two ratios. Two separate 20-minute sessions with about 10 minutes in between, and it will be the GT cars heading out onto track, first of all. Now, there's been quite a lot of adjustment regarding the GT uh, lineup for this weekend. Um, we must, first of all, mention... Alex Lynn, who, um, as part of the protocol ahead of the weekend, needed to be tested in case he was found to have COVID-19. And really, sadly, for the man from Goodmays in Essex, he, it came back positive. Now, what I don't know is whether he's actually suffering any symptoms, but he has to stay at home and self-isolate for 14 days. And that means that the guy who was very much in contention to take a world championship with the number 97 Aston Martin sadly cannot do that and instead Richard Westbrook shuffles across from the 98 car that he was due to share with um, Ross Gunn and uh, Paul Delalana insert Pedro Lamy into the 98 instead and Richard Westbrook crosses over to the factory car or the, they're both factory cars but the all pro lineup now for Maxime Martin and Westie the Dane train is as it has been all season. Marco Sorensen and Nicky Team in the number 95 car. Porsche, which was fastest in GTE Pro in free practice three, will have in the 91 Jimmy Bruni and Ricard Leitz and Michael Christensen and Kevin Estra in the 92 Porsche. So no changes there either. 51 Ferrari has James Collado and Daniel Serra. So that is a change. 
and Davide Rigon and Miguel Molina in the number 71 Ferrari. Six cars then in GTE Pro, and there'll be 10 in GTE Am. All the Pro cars running with just two drivers, which you can't do that, obviously, um, per the regulations, and everyone feel, feeling comfortable to do that across eight hours, but I think they'll be feeling it by 10 o'clock tomorrow night uh, as the cars cross the line, because the question remains as to whether they will single stint the drivers or double stint them perhaps with the tyres and it will depend on how they feel the tyre wear goes I suppose across the stint that will have been investigated during a 90 minute free practice one a 90 minute free practice two and an hour long free practice three it's exactly the same amount of track time that these cars had a year ago at the equivalent event which was also part of this season are you keeping up I hope so however the, the sessions have been condensed into a much shorter time frame. So uh, bear in mind, everyone rolled up on Tuesday. There was scrutineering on Wednesday, together with team managers' briefing. The first session didn't actually take place until uh, Thursday, and that was a, a 6 o'clock till 7.30 uh, free practice one. So that was Wednesday, big pardon. So Wednesday night, after the trucks had rolled in on, on the Tuesday, and then... Uh, no, that was Thursday. I was right first time. So Thursday night, first free practice. Second free practice taking place today, a little earlier on, at 9 o'clock this morning, in fact, through till half 10. And then uh, free practice three, which was a quarter to two start through till quarter to three. Uh, we are a minute away from the first of these 20-minute qualifying sessions beginning. Uh, so, yes, all in all of the pro cars, two drivers. You have to run three drivers in the GTE AM cars. So uh, there have been one or two adjustments there. We can strike those off as we go, though. But bear in mind that in, if you run in GTE AM, your three drivers must include one bronze. Second choice has to be either a bronze or a silver. And then the third choice is completely free and up to you. Uh, and unsurprisingly, most teams go with a platinum, if not seconds, a gold. Under 30 seconds to start qualifying. There is our Portuguese race director, Eduardo Freitas, then. You'll tune to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Um, I should be able to flick to uh, the Twitter sphere now and again uh, as we go through the session. So by all means, Ten, get involved nine, with that at RSL eight, underscore seven, studio six, if you're tweeting. Five, four, three, two, one. LMGT qualifying has started. Please remind drivers of the need to respect track limits. So there we go, and the track limits um, could, can be breached in a number of places because there's a lot of runoff here in the desert, and with 15 corners, uh, certainly could be tricky to exit the first corner, keeping within the track limits. Also, out of turn four, out of turn ten, often onto the back straight and exiting turn 13 as well, which takes you along that uh, fairly longish straight, actually. It's difficult to tell which is after the main straight, which is quite clearly the longest. Uh, back straight's pretty lengthy, but it might even be outrun uh, by the turn from uh, the one from turn 13 down to 14. Richard Westbrook on the team radio. That's about settings. Uh, notch it back to two 
so whether that is an engine map or maybe brake bias uh, for Richard Westbrook, a reminder anyway before he goes out that as he's coming through the final couple of corners, he'll get another nudge in his direction to make sure the car is set up for full qualifying mode. I suppose the advantage of having two sessions running today is that the track should hopefully be relatively free of any debris, although it's fairly blustery, always is here, regardless of what time of year uh, we race at the Sakhir circuit, and it means that uh, quite a lot of sand can be brought onto the racing line. So maybe the first few laps will just be cleaning the track again because the last action was just after quarter to three this afternoon and we're now uh, at uh, two minutes past six local time so first car out onto track is a gte am car it's the 62 and taking the wheel of that they're all, all populating on my screen now car 62 is bonamy grimes so he does have to be part of the session as i was mentioning interesting change of driver lineup there by the way because obviously looking with, a, with an eye to the future about who will drive with Bond Grimes and well potentially uh, potentially Charlie Hollings who has been doing a stellar job there along with Johnny Molan but it would appear that uh, a man that has been threatening to retire season after season I think we are just about there now folks with uh, Johnny Molan making the break away, but certainly not away from Red River Sport, which is his own initiative, looking to get uh, people up to speed and geared for ELMS, World Endurance Championship, and then ultimately to Le Mans as well. So the idea is to bring uh, lesser experienced drivers into the school of Red River Sport, get them acclimatised to a GTE AM car, and uh, then ultimately get them to the 24 hours of Le Mans. That's got to be the goal for several other people, I'm sure, who are keen to sign up with Red River Sport. Uh, however, with Johnny Merlin making, maybe taking a back seat, this is a, a great opportunity this weekend to uh, audition and test out one or two extra drivers. So Kay Cozzolino will be a silver-graded driver to join Bond Grimes. And the Scott Colin Noble, who has uh, regularly been seen in the Michelin Le Mans Cup and the European Le Mans Series racing with Tony Wells and racing with Nielsen racing in LMP3 cars. Well, Colin stepping across now to a GT car to join Kay Cozzolino and Bonamy Grimes. So really interesting to see how he'd get on and also whether he's going to be included in qualifying. I'll correct the fact that Bonamy Grimes is driving the 62. It's actually Kay Cozzolino, so apologies for that. Bonamy Grimes last in the car, in fact, for free practice three. And, yes, that's all now updated. So it is the uh, Japanese-slash-Italian pilot in for car 62. And otherwise, cars now on, on outlaps include the 51 AF Corsa Ferrari, that's a GT Pro machine for James Collado. Francesco Castellacci is circulating in the 54 AM Ferrari. Now on a quick lap, York Bergmeister in the 56 um, Team Project 1 Porsche that he shares with Larry Tenvorda and Egidio Pifetti. So... Bergmeister, the platinum in that combination. We've got Jerome Blake Molen in the 57, the sister team Project One Porsche with the wins livery on that. Kay Cosolino, I've mentioned. Davide Regon in 71 Ferrari, also for AF Corsa. Christian Reed is out in the 77 
um, Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche with the blue front and the black rear. Nicholas Nielsen for uh, for AF Corsa again in the 83 car. Mike Wainwright for 86 Porsche from Golf Racing. We have Jackson Evans in the number 88 Porsche, the Kiwi joining Marco Holzer and Khaled Alkubaizi. So that's a very new lineup to the World Endurance Championship. Welcome back, Khaled Alkubaizi, of course, but I think a first ever um, appearance in the WEC for Jackson Evans and Marco Holzer, uh, the very talented German gold graded driver, joining Jackson, who's a silver. A little bit further down, and the two Porsches come next, 13th and 14th, yet to register times for either driver, but Jimmy Bruni and Michael Christensen have been put out in for the opening um, couple of laps in those 911 RSR 19s with the slightly uprated 4.2-litre flat six. And for the championship topping, Aston Martins, although which order they will they finish in uh, tomorrow in the championship, we'll wait and see. 95 Aston Martin has Nicky Team at the wheel and the 97 has Maxime Martin. And the early order sees the 92 Porsche go quickest with a 156.405. So that is a time set by Michael Christensen. Seven tenths of a second slower is the best of the GTE AM cars. Aston Martin number 98 with a very late change to their driver lineup, but Ross Gunn has put in a cracking time. It's a 157.202 for the Brit. It's a 157.121, I beg your pardon, for the Brit. And James Collado with a 157.202. So just 81 thousandths of a second separating those cars. Really not a great deal of difference between the customer version of the Aston Martin Vantage and the two factory cars, although you would think that uh, setup-wise uh, they'll be slightly favourable in the 97 and the 95. Remember the rule regarding which cars you can run in GTE AM are that, is that uh, it has to be a year-old car, which the Vantage uh, is these days, the Vantage AMR. That, seems to, that time seems to have passed very quickly indeed. But uh, one car we haven't yet seen in AM, and we will do from next year, is the brand-new Porsche 911 RSR 19. And uh, some of those cars in customer livery were actually testing at Portimao the days after the ELMS finale at the Algarve International Circuit. And great to see how the different liveries look on the brand-new Porsche. Golf Racing were testing theirs, and I think there were a couple from Team Proton as well, Christian Reed's outfit. Eight minutes of the 20 already gone, and it's the 92 Porsche of Michael Christensen then that tops the initial times. That wouldn't be a legal uh, place on the grid, uh, and not before Michael Christensen steps out and Kevin Estrid gets in to also post a time. But one or two deciding that maybe those first efforts aren't quite good enough. And they're going to come back in again. The 95 Aston Martin is now up to second fastest. So the, uh, that time has just been set by Nicky T. And Maxime Martin, we are still waiting for his effort. Well, seventh fastest for the initial run. But uh, from the Belgian, I'm sure we'll get an even better time this time through the line. 0.270 of a second is the gap between Christensen and Nicky T. Then Jimmy Bruni in the second of the Porsches is third, just 38 thousandths of a second slower than team's effort. And fourth fastest is James Collado with a 156.841. This is a 5.4 kilometre circuit. And 
pit in to pit out just over 440 metres. So that's got to be three quarters, maybe just less than three quarters of the start-finish straight length. Remember, the, the start-finish straight doesn't fully straighten up until you've gone through the kink at 15. 14 is the proper corner, and then it's full throttle through the gears as quickly as you can to go across the safety car line one and then the finish line with the start line a little bit further up the road. So uh, this circuit's certainly not alone in having a start line and finish line in different places. One of the Aston Martins is back in. It's the uh, AM car, number 98. Good job done so far then from Ross Gunn. He's faster than everybody else in the 10-car GTE AM category. But Jackson Evans not very far away with a 157.6. Compare that to Gunn's time then, a 157.1. So it's a half a second. That will tell once uh, the B drivers get in. And I mean that only by a means of expressing it's a second driver rather than, uh, than being remotely substandard. Uh, although, interestingly for the AMs, it does appear the pattern tends to be that they've thrown their quicker driver out first and then the bronzes will come next. So again, is that a thought about the track, perhaps not necessarily being at its best for the first few laps and rather than scrabbling for grip, the uh, lesser experienced and generally less quick bronze drivers might want a bit of rubber laid down and a bit of that sand got rid of as well before they take over their GTE AM mounts. So we've got two Astons in the AM category. There are two, three, four, five Porsches and one, two, three Ferraris. Two from AF Corsa and that one from Red River Sport, which is actually all also run out of the AF Corsa awning. 83 down pit road. That car is currently fourth in the GTE AM category and time set by Nicholas Nielsen, the Danish driver who came to the fore a couple of years ago with Lusik Racing, managed to win the European Le Mans Series with that team, having uh, been a champion in Ferrari Challenge prior as well. One of those really sneaky silvers that uh, can get you a lot of uh, track position during their stints. And... Therefore, no, Emmanuel Collard, who's actually the gold, but of course, they're deciding to stick young Nicholas in, and Francois Perodo will take that car over. We are generally at the point, though, where cars are having their drivers switched. We're well over half distance, 20-minute session, and we've had 12 minutes and 10 seconds of it, so no time to lose, particularly for the top three in GT Pro, who are all currently in the pits, the 92 Porsche, with Michael Christensen stepping out and Kevin Estra about to take over. Nicky Team has parked the 95 car all bit briefly. And the next uh, driver in that will be Marco Sorensen. And Jimmy Bruni, who is third fastest, only three-tenths of a second slower than the 92's effort. Jimmy Bruni will be giving way to Richard Leitz. And on outlaps now, half of the GTE AM field... 98 car then with Paul Dallalana at the wheel. You get no prizes for guessing it was going to be the Canadian to take over there. Khalid Alcabizi in the, in the 88 Porsche takes over from Jackson Evans. Kay Cozzolino still shown, interestingly, at the wheel of the 62. Now, he did the first part of the session 
I was fully expecting Bonamy Grimes to take charge next. So does Kay? That's got to be that's got to be a driver ID issue because I can't think that Kay will be heading out again in an effort to improve on his time before giving Bonamy Grimes at least an opportunity to put in a banker lap. Heading through the very tight first corner there was the 83 car. And the Gulf Racing Porsche, no longer with a livery that looks anything like the Gulf Colours, of course. It's all black with the orange piping and has been that livery since the start of the year. I don't think that car carries any golf backing at all now, but they've entered it already into the championship as we can catch up with Aston Martin Racing, some team radio from 95. Two tenths off them right now. 51 is going on back on track. Um, don't know if they took tires or not, so we're going to have a little look. You are going to go for a new set. New set. You've got two laps of fuel. Aircon three for the outlap, then down to one before the last quarter. Aha. So we got an answer now as to the Westie message earlier on. Aircon it was regarding level two for Richard Westbrook. So making sure that uh, the drivers are suitably fanned by the air conditioning uh, as they're gaining heat in the tyres and the brakes. But, of course, air conditioning will zap power and you want to utilise as much of that to the rear wheels of the race car. So knock it back to setting one, in fact, for Marco Sorensen. They said two to Westie. So maybe there's been a rethink at Aston Martin Racing, but that needs to be done out of 14 through the kink at 15 and then as they hit the start line the finish line as they will be using uh, here to time the lap uh, hopefully all the power that the race car has will be applied to the top of the times and we will get this uh, misnomer a little bit to initially because uh, Ben Barker still shown at the wheel of the 86 that's also interesting because it was Ben who set the initial time or was it because Ben's just gone quicker so I reckon actually despite it saying Ben Barker at the wheel of the 86 to start with that was Mike Wainwright doing a 201.703 now it's Ben Barker who's just done a 158.140 producing an average time of a 159.921 and that was definitely Ben's lap last time around a 158.1 so there's been one or two discrepancies here regarding driver IDs uh, and apologies for that. Obviously, we can only go from the information that's being beamed back from the cars. But Wainwright has to have been part of this session. And that 201.7 looks suspiciously like uh, his time. And Ben Barker doing a 158.1. So, what's that? 3.6 seconds quicker. And a 159.9 is the average. Kevin Estra is out in the 92 so that tallies with Christensen doing the first segment Marco Sorensen in the 95 Defo Richard Leitz in the 91 uh, Daniel Serres taking the 50, 51 Ferrari over from his teammate James Collado also in the air of course of Ferrari actually Sarah goes top Sarah goes quickest by six tenths of a second but that's uh, partly because Richard Westbrook no Richard Westbrook has set a time um, but it's uh, in the mid 156s for the Ferrari 51, and both of their times are in that kind of bubble. 156.8 for James Collado and a 156.5 
for Daniel Serra, a time that he has just set, whereas the Aston Martins are only down in the 157s. And Westy's just managed a time better than Maxime Martin, who, for whatever reason, did struggle in the opening exchanges. And I did mention that he was down in seventh place, put him behind at least one of the GTE AM cars. So I think the 97 car is going to be feeling that time for the rest of this session. Have they got opportunity to put Maxime back in the car? With only two and a half minutes left on the clock, probably not as out of the final couple of corners comes the 91 Porsche. Now, this Porsche was strong in the first session, courtesy of Michael Christensen's time. Kevin Estra is about to cross the line now, and the 91 Porsche will go... The 92 Porsche will go top by 55 thousandths of a second. So 92 on combined times, now quicker than the 95 Aston Martin, and that's quicker than the 51 Ferrari. So it's the 97 car is struggling it's back in the pits i notice so are they actually planning to get maxime back in the session if they possibly can maybe on richard westbrook's tires i don't think they've got time to switch michelin's back again to the tires that maxime was originally on um, but a lap time round here no, it's a 156 and even if they left the pit lane now they wouldn't get back to the start line it's all crossed up there is in the 57, Ben Keating in the wins purple Porsche. That was heading into turn 14 in car number 57. Currently third on combined times in GTE AM. The class is topped by the 98 Aston Martin. And across the line goes Ben Keating. Does not improve his position. Marco Sorensen could be on for something a bit special, though. He's only got to find 55 thousandths of a second to give the 95 Aston Martin pole position. The 92, I think, is still out on track and setting useful times. Yes, it hasn't pitted. So 92, having said that, just as I utter those words, 92 and Kevin Estra does head into pit lane. So quite possibly it's all on the 95 Aston Martin, which is currently then uh, second, but with an opportunity to leap from the 92 Porsche and from, to jump from one side of the front row to the other, and crucially to pole position. Only 55 thousandths of a second to try and find. Marco Sorensen's done an absolute best through the first sector. He's predicted to do a 156.4, which would easily be good enough, and he does it by 68 thousandths of a second. Nine seconds left on the clock, so if he wants to go round to do another one, he could do. And we'll get an indication in a moment or two whether he's still pushing for this final lap. Checkered flag now being shown then to everybody behind the 95 Aston Martin, but there's nobody else really in the session that could provide a response. 71 Ferrari is still running. That has Miguel Molina at the wheel, and it's the car that he shares with Davide Regon. So keeping a close eye on the 71, which is currently in fifth place, Nothing changing as far as GTE AM is concerned. Well, at least not as far as the pole position is concerned because there's four tenths of a second uh, to rest on for the 98. And because of that, it pits. It, pit, it pits. However, the 90 Aston Martin uh, only has a cushion of 60 thousandths of a second over the 62 Ferrari, which has uh, qualified very nicely. That is definitely Bonamy Grimes now, by the way, at the wheel. Kay Cosolino did the initial time, and the 62 Red River Sport Ferrari is third 
provisionally ahead now of the two Porsches from Team Project One, 56 faster than 57, and they are fifth and they are fourth and fifth in GTE Am. But James Collado cannot tear his eyes from the screen and to the progress of Ferrari number 71. Ferrari have struggled for pole positions at certain points through the year but this may be an opportunity then to get ahead of the Aston Martin let's have a look doesn't manage it stays fifth in fact and stays behind the three cars that had already headed into the pit lane so Ferrari despite the efforts of uh, Daniel Serra very late on uh, Ferrari miss out on a pole and Aston Martin a double pole position isn't it because Ross Gunn and Paul Dallalana have done the business in the 98 car and in the 95 the Dane train gets it for Marco Sorensen and Nicky Team. the averages well let's give you the individual times first of all brilliant consistency only separated by three tenths of a second it was Nicky Team to set a 156.675 and then making sure his air conditioning was on the correct setting setting one coming out of the final corner that Marco Sorensen then went through to set a time even quicker by three tenths 156.367 the average is a 156.5 and it gives Aston Martin pole position by just 68 thousandths of a second Kevin Estra did a 156.774 and when you couple that with Michael Christensen's effort of a 156.4 that gives the Porsche also a 156.5 but they miss out on 68 thousandths of a second you can hear the chuckle of Nicky team in the background as he hurls his arms around Marco Sorensen very smart helmet for Sorensen this weekend uh, principally white with the orange disc on the top and the simple two numbers on the side nine and five so here are the average times then for the pole sitter number 95 Aston Martin a 156.521 92 Porsche second 156.589 average and 51 Ferrari third which means it's three different manufacturers in the top three positions 156.706 Number 91, Porsche of Ricard Leitz and his teammate uh, Jimmy Bruni will start fourth for GTE Pro, 157.124. Ferrari, that was the last out on track and with a chance to improve, but uh, Miguel Molina wasn't able to manage that. Uh, his last time, a 157.613. Now, interestingly, there is actually a time for Molina, which is a 157.4. So is that indicative of actually Molina getting a lap deleted there? And the last lap was a 157.6, as in that was the, his last legal lap. We'll have to do some digging at the end of the session because of that. But, uh, yeah, when you combine 71's times, you get a 157.217 as an average, which will put it fifth in the GTE Pro grid. And sixth, really paying for a slow lap from Max Martin initially, he was only able to do a 157.599. Richard Westbrook went four tenths of a second quicker, and that produced an average of a 157.376. We can hear from the drivers and, two poles and with Duncan Vincent. This year. Congratulations, and Marco, that was a huge lap at the end. No, to be fair, it's, it's super close, uh, and you need both drivers to be super close, and that's what we did. 
Uh, no one can really count us out. Uh, we've been struggling a little bit during the practice sessions, but now we're here and we got the pole. Nicky, for yourself, it was a good banker you put in there and you looked happy when you got out the car. Yeah, it was a decent lap. It is just putting on a point here, but it's, uh, it is basically flat out. So that's, well, that's what we love. Uh, you get the, the car for low fuel and new tyres, you just have to enjoy it. And it's the best place to start for the championship. You guys, you're in the driving seat, you're in pole. Yeah, it's just the one point. It's the one point. It's eight hours tomorrow, but yeah, obviously at the front it always looks brighter than somewhere else. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Thank you. So, Nicky team, Latterly, Marco Sorensen, first of all, and uh, they were chatting to Duncan Vincent, who is on duty all through the weekend. So that'll be a tough stint for him as well in the Bahrain heat. Uh, for eight hours tomorrow. It's a two o'clock local time race start. Sunset will be about 10 to 5-ish. Uh, so, you know, well over five hours of darkness running through till 10 o'clock tomorrow night, which will be the second visit for this season to the Sakir circuit. We did exactly the same meeting um, towards the back end of last year, of course. So I'll give you the GTE Pro uh, numbers to confirm the order for GTE AM. The 98 Aston Martin gets another pole position, 158.356 the average for Paul Dallalana and for Ross Gunn. Uh, and they didn't need Pedro Lamy at all as part of qualifying, although they could have used him. Uh, TF Sport in the other Vantage AMR, Sally Yolich part of the qualifying there as he must be. And I think it was Charlie Eastwood doing the time uh, previously, but I will check that uh, when the timing sheets come out and confirm that later on uh, for tomorrow's coverage as well. I will try and uh, include the qualifying drivers where possible, but a 158.808 is the combined time there to put two Aston Martins, in fact, at the sharp end of the GTE and the grid. Then a great effort from the Red River Sport guys, Bonamy Grimes and Kay Cosolino producing an average of 158.868 to put the Red River Sport 62 Ferrari third. Fourth position for the 56 Team Project 1 Porsche, the first of a couple of Porsches there. 158.896 will start fourth. And the sister car 57 for Ben Keating and Jerome Blakemolen, 157.839 average. 54 Ferrari from AF Corsa uh, will start from four, five, sixth position, a 159.194. Uh, Another AF Corsa Ferrari next up for GTE AM, and that is the 83 car with a 159.637 average. And the grid rounded out by three Porsches, and those driving oh, RSRs... One lap fuel, so it's one lap, no matter what, then we box. If for whatever reason we get done for track limits or something, we'll stick to the plan. Phil will still take over and do his run, and then you'll get back in at the end after Phil's run. Yeah, that's how we'll do it in that scenario. That's the voice, unless I'm very much mistaken, of Gary Robertshaw of United Autosports chatting to Paul DeResta, who's fully focused on the task in hand, which will be doing the initial qualifying in his LMP2 Orica. Another 20-minute session for the prototypes, of course, and the Phil that uh, Gary referred to is, of course, Phil Hansen. They are already world endurance champions at LMP2 level. Uh, but, yeah, just making the point about the Porsches, uh, Team Project 1's car's going very nicely, but have Proton and Golf Racing missed a beat 
as far as qualifying is concerned because you got at the, at the back end of GTE Am uh, 77 for Dennis Olsen and for Christian Reed, 86 for Ben Barker and for Mike Wainwright, and the Khaled Alcabizi number 88 Porsche that he was sharing with Jackson Evans during qualifying. Marco Holzer did not therefore take part in qualifying, but um, only mildly concerning because they're really not very far off so the Ferrari times. Team ready to Brendan Hartley. And just a little bit of a reminder about track temperature, ambient temperature as well. It will be warm, even though the sun has uh, left the sky by, well, well, well over an hour and a half now. Nine, Here's the countdown from Eduardo eight, once again. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Qualifying session for LMP cars has started. Please advise drivers to respect track limits. For the sake of completeness, I'll give you the time for the three Porsches at the tail end of GTE Am. 77 did an average of 157, 159.665, a 159.921 for the Golf Racing Porsche, and a 201.799 for the 88 Porsche. But we turn our attentions very much now to the prototypes then and this is a session for sadly just two LMP1s, the two Toyota Gazoo racing cars number 7 and 8 and for six LMP2 cars no cool racing uh, on the entry list but we do have uh, four Orica 07s for United Autosports number 22, Racing Team Nederland number 29 Jackie Chan DC Racing, which is a Jota run car, number 37, and a car entered properly by Jota as well. Uh, so, unsurprisingly, they are sister machines, 37 and 38, both Oricas. Uh, the difference with those cars is that they run on the Goodyear tyres, and they are actually the only Goodyear's, Goodyear runners in this weekend's 24-car entry. There's also the Alpine A470, which you don't have to scratch too far beneath the surface to discover that's also an Orica 07, but badged as an Alpine for commercial reasons, and run by Cinetech Alpine Elf. And finally, the only non-Orica 07 in the field is the Cetilla Rating entered Delara P217. Italian team with very much an Italian chassis, but all six cars in LMP2 are powered by the same combination of... Uh, Gibson 4.2 litre V8, naturally aspirated, and the X-Track gearbox. A moment or two ago, you heard the engine noise and the hybrid whirl of uh, Toyota number seven, by the way. And drivers put out for the opening Toyota number eight, that will have been, actually, because seven is still in the pit. So Brendan Hartley's been installed for the opening qualifying segment. We'll wait to see who takes over at roughly half distance. Uh, Paul De Resta, as I mentioned, was installed nice and early in the number 22 uh, United Autosports Orica. So he's out of the pit lane and already on an outlap. Uh, Nick De Vries has just joined the session in the 29 Racing Team Nederland, the Yumbo Orica 07. Pierre Rag in 36, that's the Alpine. Will Stevens drives the 37 Jackie Chan DC Racing 07 
uh, car 37, but it's an Orica 07, and it is Antonio Felix de Costa for Jota in car 38, Andrea Beliki for Chetilar Racing, and still not yet seen Mike Conway join the session. Of course, he's already paid his penalty for the yellow flag, flag infringement from earlier on in the day when he had to sit uh, in the pit lane and in the garage for five minutes at the start of free practice three, both free practice two and three taking place on the same day when normally Friday at Bahrain would just be utilised for FP3 and qualifying and you would do FP1 and 2 yesterday effectively but the first free practice uh, session of the weekend took place late-ish last night at six o'clock through till half past seven two 90-minute sessions to kick start and then an, and then a 60-minute session as free practice three slight lock up there for Andrea Beliki heading into the tricky turn 10 you head into that corner kind of off camber and very much with the the pendulum swinging to the outside of the circuit you've gone through the rather fast turn nine where you're trying to arrest the speed and turn the car at the same time and then you really have to stand on the anchors to go through a corner that is slightly less than a hairpin but is really crucial to a good straight line speed uh, down the the back straight which runs parallel with the main start and finish here at the Sakia circuit so 10 to 11 is a very crucial part of the lap in terms of uh, your optimum speed the eight car Setting on 141.252, by the way. Um, a good time is is actually that, a 141, definitely. Have we had a time like that yet in any of the free practice sessions? No. Closest we've got to it was a 142.857 set in free practice two earlier on today. The other two sessions either side of that were slower and that was a time set by Jose Maria Lopez while Brendan Hartley's just gone how much quicker 1.6 seconds quicker in qualifying there'll be less fuel on board of course and theoretically the seven car can go half a second quicker than that because the way that they've been set up with the success handicap the eight car leads the seven in the championship but only by a small margin seven points and therefore the two Toyotas are separated by just half a second on the success handicap and that's done through a combination of extra weight through restricting the uh, hybrid ability hybrid capacity and how it picks up through the, the front wheels on the, the Toyota so you turn the hybrid down quite considerably add a little bit of weight to the Toyota as well and then per lap the eight car should be slower than the seven by 0.54 of a second 22 has set the pace early doors that's the United Order Sports Orica and still we have not seen Toyota number 7 it's now leaving the pits so Mike Conway is at the wheel and he's on to something very special indeed here because he's gone even quicker than Brendan Hartley doing a 31.8 through the first sector let's see whether he can add to that through sector two and sector three sector one by the way runs from the finish line through to the kink at turn five sector two is from there through to 
the exit line out of 11, so well past the apex, actually. You're probably pulling for third gear by the time you clip the timing line or the, ti the timing split at the end of sector two. And sector two runs from uh, between turn 11 and 12 to the finish line. It is an even better sector, though, for Mike Conway than Brendan Hartley through the middle portion of the lap as well. And you can hear Mike Conway's little V6, the, what is it, 2.4-litre twin turbocharged V6 in the Toyota, but an awful lot of power delivered to the front wheels from the hybrid as well, which harvests the energy under braking. He's linked them all together there to go faster than Brendan Hartley, a 140.1. So you can forget being half a second quicker. The number seven car is 1.1 seconds quicker than Brendan Hartley as... A marshal heads out on the track to retrieve already a bollard which has gone for a Burton. Um, not sure where that was on the track actually, but it's uh, been plucked out of its housing. And with only the seven car doing the circulating on the tr on the track at the moment, it was relatively safe there for a nearby marshal to head out onto track and retrieve that bit of debris. There are some bollards sitting in the kerb at turn six, I notice as the Toyota now, car number seven, heads through the right-hander at turn eight and heads along that uh, shortish straight, which leads into nine. Track starting to get slightly more populated once again, and this has got to be now with secondary drivers, I'm going to guess, because well before half-distance, but in an effort to try and restrict tyre wear, um, I mean, Brennan Hartley did it perfectly there, out uh, onto track for a flyer, did the quick lap and then straight back in again. You cannot do it any quicker than that. Uh, both Toyotas, by the way, running in the high downforce configuration this weekend, something they've not done since, well, back in February when they contested the six hours of the circuit of the Americas because both Spa and the 24 hours of Le Mans, they were in their low downforce aero. And also, Toyota have two different types of Michelin tyre at their disposal for the race and indeed the qualifying. What's called the super hot, sorry, the soft hot, not super hot, the soft hot is one option and the medium slick tyre is the, is the other option. So uh, the soft hot produced by Michelin and the more standard medium tyre. Soft hots surely being utilised in single lap qualifying as it appears to be for the Toyotas because Conway has done exactly the same so he did an out lap we a flyer and an in lap with Paul, so you might experience the same so what I suggest we do on the out lap is push a bit harder so let's just wait for Prince to get a bit further and then... that's a, another team message to United Autosports driver not Paul the rest of this time but Phil Hansen and clearly the team learning a little bit from the information that Paul was able to feed back and the instruction then from the pit wall to Phil Hansen is to push a little bit harder on this outlap to build the tyre temperature. Maybe Paul the rest of felt that the tyre temp wasn't quite there when he really needed to lean on the tyres through the fast stuff. Quick conversation there between Mike Conway and Jose Maria Lopez at the changeover. Nothing concerning, it would uh, appear. What happened in LMP2 a moment or two ago? The number 29 Yumbo car ooh, ran a touch wide, actually. That was with Fritz van Aerd at the wheel. 
So did he miss his turning point for turn 10? That looks suspiciously like he clipped the apex at line and then the car was spat out over the kerbs when he needed to be turning in at turn 10. I'd like to see, see that again to describe it to you, to be confident that it was that point of the track. The 36 car now with Thomas Laurent at the wheel. So Pierre Rag's done his time. And Pierre Rag good enough for seventh overall. So fifth in the six car standings for LMP2. And a good time as new drivers start to get up to speed to tell you how we sit in this second of two 20-minute sessions. It's a oh, little bit off the road there for Tom Laurent in the 36 car. That was coming out of turn 11, smacking over the kerbs, and that really did unsettle the car and will not help him produce a good lap time. He was four-tenths of a second slower than Paul de Resta's time. As now to the top of the times, albeit briefly, goes the Chetelar racing machine. And that's because that's the only car of the eight in this session that has produced a second time. But before that happened, seven car quicker than the eight by 1.138 of a second. And Mike Conway producing a 1 minute 40.1. Compare that to Brendan Hartley's 141.2. And before any of the second, second times start to interrupt the order from the first driver efforts, uh, United Autosports topped the times with car 22, a 146.7. Then it, uh, it was Nick de Vries in the racing team Nederland Norica, 147.4. Jackie Chan DC racing car, Will Stevens, 147.5. The Jota car, number 38, uh, fourth fastest in LMP2, a 147.9. Fifth quickest, the 36, Cinetech Alpine Elf car, Pierre Rags time, a 149.0. And then the Chetelar racing car was sixth fastest of those six cars. One of the two Toyotas has returned to the track. That's the number eight, and it has at the wheel Kazuki Nakajima. And Jose Maria Lopez was having that brief conversation then with Mike Wainwright. Mike uh, Conway, I should say. We've already had Mike Wainwright in the GTs earlier on. Mike Conway handing over to Jose Maria Lopez, who was fastest from the free practice sessions. Remember... Um, it was Jose setting the 142.857, but we are significantly below that now. We've reached the qualifying phase of the day. The engine you can hear in the background is that of... Um, is that of Jose Maria Lopez. I hesitated there because I just wanted to make sure it is the Argentinian at the wheel still needing to get confirmation of that and let's have a look number seven is Lopez with Kazuki Nakajima driving the number eight Tom Laron now across the line so he has produced a much better lap than the previous one remember he made that mistake coming out of turn 11 and the time is a 147.898 which gives the 36 car an average of a 148.470 but we haven't yet seen what Phil Hansen can offer. He's going to be slower than Paul de Restra, I think that's fair to say, but uh, the drivers that have already sealed the LMP2 World Endurance Championship and they sealed the 24 Hours of Le Mans a couple of months ago and with a round to spare, the European Le Mans series as well. So uh, getting used to being dominant in championships and being able to settle things 
even before the final round has happened, car number 22. But Phil Hansen's back in the pits, and we haven't yet seen a time from the Londoner. So that's slightly alarming. Five minutes left on the clock. There is more than a lap time available, obviously, so they have to send the 22 car out reasonably soon to make sure that Phil's got the opportunity to do at least one lap, but he'd ideally like two, I would imagine. Uh, rejoining the session now is Phil Hansen as Fritz van Aert heads into the pits, and Fritz has done a 153.206. That's actually six seconds slower, albeit uh, by a, shaving a, a couple of tenths off it, but uh, as close as you like, really, but to six seconds slower than the Nick de Vries time. But Fritz needs to just concentrate on the sort of time that he can um, produce out on track. He's never going to be as quick as Nick de Vries, let's face it. And the car has got a 150.339 as the average next to its name. Now, on the run between turn 13 and 14 goes Kaz Nakajima in the number eight Toyota. Heads through 14 and 15. And now we'll see the stripe painted on the road to indicate the finish line. And car eight to the top. That's uh, not a huge surprise because LMP1s will be quicker than LMP2s, despite the fact that the number eight car is carrying that little bit of success ballast. The seven car also has success ballast, of course, because it is second in the championship, and both of those cars are mapped back to a, a virtual car, as it's called, that is a theoretical car in the championship. It's not actually one with points. The seven car over the line, seven tenths of a second quicker so three quarters of a, se of a second pretty much quicker than the eight car we were expecting it to be about half a second deficit for car eight it's turned out to be 50 percent more than that but we're not done yet because there are three minutes left on the clock and still maybe the chance for jose maria lopez or kaz nakajima to find a little bit more time more and more michelin rubber going down and for the 37 and the 38 cars there spreading a bit of Goodyear rubber onto the Sakir asphalt as well, of course. 37 now, the quickest of the LMP2 cars with Gabriel Aubry at the wheel. It wasn't too long ago that the Frenchman himself was suffering with COVID-19. Obviously thoughts with Alex Lynn this weekend, who sadly cannot be in Bahrain after he his test came back positive prior to his trip to the Middle East. And it meant that Richard Westbrook had to stand in for the Essex man, and it means, sadly, that uh, Alex Lynn will miss out on a world championship if Maxime Martin can get the required points to keep the 97 car and its head above water. But Richard Westbrook will be out to score as many points as possible, of course, in tomorrow's eight-hour race as well. 22, still with the work to do then, because at the moment, Phil Hansen hasn't produced a lap, and he was very slidey and squirmy coming out of turn 10 there, down the back straight, 1 minute and 55 seconds remain on the clock 3 of the 6 LMP2 cars are already in the pit lane, turn in point for Phil Hansen into turn 11 was pretty good but he, it just with the uh, uh, throttle application made the back end of the car step out very slightly, so 2 very obvious black tram lines left by the rear Michelin's there of the 22 car and he's undone all the hard work of the first sector because he was actually 
15 thousandths of a second up on the Tom Laurent time. And in fact, on the Will Stevens time now that he's chasing. So 37, no, in fact, 22 goes across the line and does enough. So when you link that with the Paul DeResta time, the 22 car on averages is quicker than the 37. And Gabby Obrey and Will Stevens now have not got the opportunity to send their car back out again. United then have done enough, have they? They are quicker than everybody else in LMP2. And the round of applause, muted applause, can begin. Philippe Albuquerque with the single finger raised to the camera then to indicate another pole position simply because they are quicker than everybody else in P2 right now and all of the LMP2s are in the pits. In fact, both Toyotas are in the pits as well. So Phil Hansen left it incredibly late. Uh, a lot of hard work done, of course, by Paul De Resta to set the 146.768. But Phil Hansen, despite that squirm and that slide coming out of turn uh, 10, I thought he'd ruined his lap, but not a bit of it. He was quicker and by nearly eight-tenths of a second than the combined effort of Gabriel Obrey and Will Stevens. The fist bumps begin down at Toyota as well because car seven have managed to get another pole position and something through my notes, I'll be able to tell you how many that is for Lopez, Kobayashi and Conway for the season. That will be the third pole position of the year and back-to-back -back poles, in fact, because Car 7 was on pole for the 24 hours of Le Mans in September. They also took pole, for those with very long memories, at Silverstone at the start of the year. And it will mean actually only one pole, therefore, for Toyota number 8, for Brendan Hartley, Kazuki Nakajima and Sebastian Buemi, who were on pole position for round two of the year. That was the first six-hour race of the season uh, at uh, Fuji Speedway. And we're going to be in a scenario here where nobody's going to take the chequered flag because Phil Hansen's already gone into the pit lane. And the poor marshal, the poor starter marshal there waving the chequered flag realises, I don't really need to be doing this anymore because everybody's in the pit lane. And I'm going to be waving to a track which is distinctly absent of race cars uh, back out to turn 15. We'll hear from Mike Conway with a third pole position of the season. Uh, now chatting with Duncan Vincent. Mike Conway signs off Toyota in qualifying, at least, with a stunning, stunning pole position lap. Mike, where did that come from? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could have been a little bit better, but, uh, you know, you, you never quite know what you're going to get in uh, quality, to be honest, because, you know, you take all the fuel out and uh, the cooler conditions, I think, just, you know, brings everything to life. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Good lap. OK, that's, that's part of the job done. Yeah. Tomorrow, though, you know, it's you against these guys here yeah what's going to happen yeah i mean as you say a little part down but um still a good one it's still a point and for the start it makes things easier six and points between you guys now yeah exactly he's brought it down so that's good um but still tomorrow is what we need to play for so uh you know we'll be doing everything we can to to try and win we have to win uh but eight hours is still pretty tough um even though we have a bit of an advantage with the obviously the power power ratio and stuff so but yeah, we'll be pushing as hard as we can. I know they will. What's the discussion in the team like? Is it allowed to race, but keep it clean? Yeah, yeah we're allowed to race. Um, obviously, got to keep it clean as always. And um, But obviously, they'll be doing their thing on the pit wall. Uh, but in terms of the two crews, we're allowed to do our own race, effectively. 
Monster Mike delivers a monster lap. Congratulations. Thank you. He really was very good indeed. That's Mike Conway chatting to Duncan Vincent right after setting a 140.114. And Jose Maria Lopez backing it up with a 141.381. So the Argentinian is no slouch, but he could only get 1.2 uh, seconds uh, close to that uh, lap of Mike Conway and in the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. So 1.2 seconds slower than the Brit. So it's the seven car with a third pole position of the season. They are the team trailing no longer by seven points, though. Now, of course, it's been snipped to six. And bear in mind, uh, accelerated increased points on offer this weekend with a win producing 38 Second place garners 27 points, third 23, and onward down to, well, you do actually get a point for finishing outside of the top 10 as long as you do finish. Uh, we won't have that scenario, though, of course, this weekend uh, because only two LMP2s, LMP1s rather, um, and the difference could be crucial. It's a difference of 11 points first to second, and that would be easily enough, therefore, if car seven was able to uh, lead on the road across the line ahead of car eight. Same amount of points on offer for the six LMP2 cars as well. For sixth place, you get 12 points. Here's Paul De Resta. But have the weather conditions helped you for that qualifying run? Um, I, th I think they're the same for everybody. Definitely when it's cooler, um, you get more performance. But the track grip is very low compared to where we were in December last year. I think the extra temperature during the day uh, is a negative effect. And, you know, to try and do some work at the peak of the sun when the track's high in temperature, um, there's very little you can take from it. But to go out there and nail a lap and qualify, no track limits, uh, certainly it feels good. But tomorrow's where the, the points, the big points are given out. You struggled a little bit with aero balance. Did you get that sorted out? Um, listen, it was as tricky as it has been all weekend, but the car's edgy to drive, but at the same time, the lap time doesn't lie. So, you know, you just need to deliver the lap time. And, you know, I was I compromised the areas where I had to, um, but you gained performance on others. So very well done. And it's nice to um, certainly finish this year with another pole position on the back of the Le Mans and Spa. Uh, and we're going to tomorrow an eight-hour race, which is very long and anything can happen. Congratulations, United. You guys are on a roll. Cheers. Thank you. They certainly are. Uh, season 2020 um, for ELMS for the 24 Hours of Le Mans and season 1920 for the World Endurance Championship has very much been in LMP2 land uh, all about United Autosports. Remember, Paul DeResta didn't do one of the races earlier on in the season, so he's on a slightly different amount of points compared to his teammates, Philly Barberkirk and Phil Hansen. He was absent for Fuji, which puts him on 156 points coming to... Bahrain this weekend, make that 157 now that he's got pole position and Philippe Albuquerque and Phil Hansen will move to 172 points but they had already sealed uh, the team's championship for United Autosports and the driver's championship for Philippe and for Phil but Paul DeResta of course misses out on that what he's trying to do is make sure he finishes third, uh, well second in the driver standings I haven't given you the order in LMP2 so let me do that now, Phil Hansen uh, setting a 148.112 as basically his last effort in the session. He could have done one more lap, in fairness, because he saw the chequered flag in the distance and decided to pit, having done already the hard work. But when you link that with Paul DeResta's effort of a 146.768, that gives the 22 car a 147.440 and another pole position of the year for car 22. That's a fourth pole of the season. 
second in LMP2, the 37, Jackie Chan, DC Racing, Orica 07, Will Stevens and Gabby Obrey doing the time. And they will be joined in the race tomorrow uh, by Hope in Tongue. The average time for that Goodyear shod car are 148.238. So uh, that was a significant difference, wasn't it? Eight tenths of a second between those two cars on average times. Thomas Laurent and Pierre Rag will start third for LMP2 on uh, for the Michelin uh, Cinetech Alpine Elf Alpine rather than the Orica 07, a 148.470. Then the Jotacar, number 38, did a 148.901, also on the Goodyear tyre. Ricardo Gonzalez setting the time latterly of a 149.890. The Jumbo car, which started really well in the hands of Nick de Vries, uh, costly, odd mistakes here and there. And I think even Fritz van Erd would admit to that. He wouldn't have expected him to be nearly six seconds slower than his teammate. He did a 153.206. When you combine those times, that's a 150.339 to put car 29 fifth on the grid. And finally, the Chetelar Racing Delara for Giorgio Cernagiotto, uh, Andrea Belicki and Roberto Lacorte. Their time, a 151.834. So the grid is set then for 24 cars and eight hours of racing. The second visit to Bahrain in one season and championships to be decided. Certainly, as far as the drivers are concerned, between the two Toyotas, uh, Hartley, Kaznakajima, Sebastian Buemi have this six-point advantage over the pole sitters Jose Maria Lopez, Kamui Kobayashi and Mike Conway. But if the seven car can win tomorrow's race, they will be driver's champions. Already sealed uh, at the 24 Hours of Le Mans was the World Endurance Championship for LMP1 uh, teams when both cars score towards your tally. And uh, that was fairly convincingly won by Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, a couple of months ago from Rebellion and from Team LNT. Uh, No longer up for grabs the LMP2 honours, but we do have a battle certainly in the World Endurance GTE Drivers' Championship between Marco Sorensen, Nicky Team in 95, uh, Maxi Martin in 97, and Alessandro Pierguidi and James Collada, who can just about still do it, but they would need um, some bad, bad luck regarding the Aston Martins that sit ahead of them in the driver standings to actually come through as winners in that. Aston have already sealed the World Endurance GTE Manufacturers' Championship. They did that at Le Mans. And it's a two-horse race... In the GTE Am field, remember, between the Aston Martin number 90 of Charlie Eastwood, Johnny Adam and Sally Yolich and the 83 Ferrari for Manu Collard, Francois Perodo and Nicholas Nielsen. And the small detail of success ballast to be weaved into tomorrow's race as well. And we'll give you full details as to uh, how heavy certain cars are running uh, when we deal with tomorrow's race. And as I say, it's not just yours truly that you'll be treated to tomorrow. Um, I probably had quite enough of me after an hour and 10 minutes, but uh, Nick Damon will very much be in uh, command tomorrow along with myself. Uh, we will be on air UK time 10.30 a.m. And uh, that will mean an 11 o'clock a.m. start for the race. I think that's about right. Rather than an hour and a half build-up, it will be 30 minutes of uh, the countdown to green. 
and an eight-hour race, which will start at 2 p.m. local time, so 11 a.m. in the UK, and we'll head all the way through till 10 o'clock tomorrow night local. Uh, and bear in mind, sunset is at 10 to 5, so a significant chunk held in the darkness, although not necessarily in the cool. And I think particularly from a tyre strategy point of view, whether you're running Michelin's old good years, uh, that's essentially where the race is going to be won and lost. If they're struggling for tyre condition and over-tyre temperature in qualifying, then uh, what is an eight-hour race going to produce? Plenty to look forward to. The final race of the season for the 2019-2020 World Endurance Championship. And you'll hear it all live right here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. See you tomorrow. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.